Twitter, I'm Saeed Jones. He is Isaac Fitzgerald. It is Thursday, and you are watching AM to DM. Here's a tweet from Mike Sachs. Okay, if Kim Kardashian ends up bringing back the apprentice method and kills law schools as we know them, she'll be my personal hero forever. You know, I don't hate it. You don't hate it. Talk on it. Talk no, on it. I mean, you know, I, I feel like, listen, it's the Kardashians. You know, they trigger us constantly <laughs> with all of their you know, news and everything they do. But I don't know. Listen, listen, her father was a lawyer. Great. Important lawyer. In California, it's one of the states where you don't have to go to law school. You can just, like, be an apprentice. And she can have the money mm -hmm. to get people to kind of train her up on it. Basically read in, which mm -hmm. actually was traditionally how people became lawyers until law school became a thing. Uh, she's got the time. She's got the money. And we know she has an interest in criminal justice, which... At she got somebody freed from prison. You got somebody freed from prison? I have not gotten anyone freed from prison. I haven't even gotten anyone freed from prison. I tried to break some people out sometimes. I know that is a goal of yours. I'm just saying that, you know, I see a lot of this, like a lot of people saying like, oh, maybe, like I think a lot of people have come to this conclusion. Like, let her do this. Sure. I mean, listen, the bar in California is apparently notoriously difficult. Mm -hmm. I think it's one of the mm -hmm. harder ones. And mm -hmm. so people are like, eh, if you can pass it, you certainly deserve to be a lawyer. You know, so good luck. And like, I don't know. There are worse things to do with your time. It's mm -hmm. 2019. We've seen plenty of people decide to be like, I don't know. I think I'm going to become a Nazi. So, you know, I'm down with someone, someone being like, wanted I'm to become, become a lawyer. lawyer. And it is one of those situations, though, where I feel like you saw a lot of people like, oh, the hate is piling yeah. on and all this stuff. And we looked for tweets this morning. Yeah, most of the tweets I've seen are basically like, okay, cool. There were like one or two butthurt lawyers out there that were like, good luck. And it's like, I think you're just mad because you have so much debt. I mean, and, and I think that's what Mike is pointing to. Like, like maybe we don't need law schools. <laughs> like, it is incredibly expensive. And I don't know if there's another way to do it. Maybe Maybe that wouldn't be such a bad thing, and yeah. maybe it'd be a more affordable thing. Yeah. Let me ask you, if there was a job that you could kind of move in, if you could apprentice your way mm. into a different career, like what that. would it be? A ninja. A ninja? <laughs> Interesting. The fine stealth, art of stealth. Stealth and quiet are not exactly. the words that come to this. Exactly. It's going to be a really good apprenticeship. And that's why no one would see me coming. <laughs> <laughs> the gonna, most unexpected ninja ever. I think you really got to find a good trainer on that one, though, for sure. <laughs> what about you? Man, blacksmithing, baby. Gonna blacksmith it up. That's the guy. When I think apprentice, that's all I think about. Is, is this because you interviewed Gendry the other day? No, absolutely okay. not. This is just because when I hear the word apprenticeship, I just think okay. blacksmith. It's just me in a big old apron, got a forge going, one of those uh -huh. billowy things. I'm just uh -huh. making swords, baby. Actually, you know what? It is? Apprenticeship makes me think of magicians. I'd want to be a magician. <laughs> okay, now Starting we're just the fine art of alchemy or something. <laughs> I feel like blacksmith was on the border, ninja was on the border. Now we're just into fantasy. Let's live it. Let's take it to the timeline. If you could apprentice is your way into a new career, fantastical or not, yeah. what would it be? Let us know using the hashtag AM2DM. <laughs> that said, there is huge news out of London this morning. WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange arrested by British police at the Ecuadorian embassy. Zoe Tillman tweeted, new. Julian Assange has been charged with conspiring with Chelsea Manning to leak classified information. A grand jury indicted him in March 2018 in federal court in Virginia. Zoe joins us now from the Department of Justice. Uh, Zoe, busy morning? Busy morning. I can't believe Kim Kardashian is representing Julian Assange. This is so crazy. Just the record, that was a joke. When Just you think <laughs> about it, it was inevitable. Her new clients are Julian Assange, Lori Loughlin, and Paul Manafort. These are jokes. These are jokes. <laughs> You're really a joke. <laughs>
purely a joke. Okay, so what is the latest this morning? Um, is it fair to say this was a surprise to even well-informed people? This was not a surprise at all. Um, U.S. authorities have made no secret of the fact that WikiLeaks and Julian Assange have been under investigation for years for uh, leaking classified information. This was what Chelsea Manning was incarcerated for a number of years ago before her sentence was commuted by President Obama. Um, there were also documents in uh, discovered in November in federal court in Virginia that had nothing to do with Julian Assange, but had his name in them, which led a lot of reporters to make some pretty informed guesses that this was like a sloppy copy and paste job from documents that were sealed in some kind of pending criminal matter. So this has been out there hanging over everyone for quite a while. And this really confirms what has long been suspected, which is that Julian Assange is facing criminal charges in the United States. Okay, can you, just for those that are maybe just tuning in or like Julian Assange, like I know that's a name I'm familiar with, right. but don't totally remember because he's been in the headlines for years now. Can you kind of give us his big hits and kind of the allegations that he's facing? Right. So WikiLeaks and Julian Assange really burst onto the scene in 2010 when they leaked thousands of classified documents, uh, other pieces of information um, having to do with U.S. conflict overseas, uh, whether it was the Iraq War, uh, the Guantanamo Bay. And uh, Chelsea Manning at the time was an army intelligence analyst who had accessed these caches of information, leaked them to WikiLeaks and Julian Assange, and they published them wholesale. Um, and that was really when uh, WikiLeaks became a thing and when WikiLeaks really became the target of uh, U.S. interest and investigation. Um, Julian Assange later sought asylum in the Ecuadorian embassy in London. He was facing criminal investigation for sexual assault allegations in Sweden. He also said that he feared uh, persecution or prosecution, depending on both words, depending on who you ask, um, prosecution in the United States. And so he was seeking to avoid being extradited to the United States, to Sweden. And he had been living at the Ecuadorian embassy for, I believe, about seven years uh, until this morning. Wow. And I got to say, Dude was looking rough when he walked out. I was like, I, I saw someone say he looks like a wizard that's been going through it. Um, but uh, to that point, I mean, what did the Ecuadorian embassy say about their justification for kicking them out, him out? There had been reports for a while that Julian Assange was not making friends inside the Ecuadorian embassy uh, in terms of his personal behavior, how he was acting towards his hosts in the embassy. Um, and when the Ecuadorian government ultimately revoked his asylum, they referenced his, I believe it was discourteous and aggressive behavior, um, but also the fact that they believe that he had uh, basically been interfering in other foreign affairs through WikiLeaks while he was living in the embassy, which was a violation of the norm when it comes to someone who's seeking asylum and, and living under asylum. Um, and they finally said enough is enough. And they revoked their asylum and agreed to allow UK authorities in to arrest him. Okay, a bad roommate. Yeah, a bad I was going to say, like, it seems like, like some real real bad stuff going on. The coordination, uh -huh. he's breaking the rules a little yeah. bit, but also maybe just a shitty roommate. Yeah, like, don't be an asshole. Bad <laughs> hygiene, shave every once in a while, or at least keep it, keep it trimmed. Uh, let me ask you this, though. It seemed very coordinated, what happened in London earlier this morning, right? It just seemed like everybody had their statements pre prepared. How long do you think a plan like this took to, to, to go into effect? And what do we think is going to happen now? Like, are we looking at 
months until he gets extradited or are we looking at days? Uh, both of those questions, uh, we don't know clear answers to. I think what's remarkable is that he was indicted in March 2018. So this, these criminal charges have been just sitting under seal in the U.S. court for more than a year now um, with, with no action on them. So planning for extradition and for that whole process could have been in the works since that started or even before then. Um, and what's happening now is he's actually making an appearance this morning in court in London uh, for issues relating to breaching his bail um, and completely separate from the U.S. charges. And there will be proceedings related to that issue. And then uh, the U.K. and the U.S. will proceed with extradition. I'll be honest, I'm, I'm still getting caught up on extradition law and how this all works. I think every reporter in the U.S. and the U.K. is this morning getting caught up on extradition law, um, but it's not. He's not coming to the U.S. today. Uh, doesn't look like, at least. Okay, not coming to the U.S. today. Is there a chance that he might get extradited to Sweden? Just real quick, to you, you touched on those those charges there. Mm-hmm. Right. So the charges or the investigation um, in Sweden was dropped, although. Uh, Authorities there have said that they could be reopened, and the woman who has accused Julian Assange of assault has said through her lawyer that they are hoping that Swedish authorities will reopen that investigation and proceed against Assange there. What we do know is that the UK has said that there is an extradition request by the United States, Um, so we're all operating under the assumption at this point that that will be the priority and that's where this will head next, but it's just too soon to tell where all of these different threads will lead us and where all of these different investigations will end up. Right. All right. Well, we'll leave it there for now. Uh, Zoe, thank you for joining us this morning. Sure thing. All right, so I had a tweet here from um, Softy38 that I had to like look into very quickly. Um, you were like, what about the cat? And I was like, what fucking cat are you talking about? Apparently, Eugene Assange had a cat. Sure did. And I got some answers for you, Softy38. <laughs> I'm a fast bitch. Good with my Twitter fingers. For the record, and this is a tweet from reporter James Ball, Julian Assange's cat was reportedly given to a shelter by the Ecuadorian embassy ages ago, uh, so don't expect a feline extradition in the next few hours. Uh, James Ball <laughs> said he offered to adopt it. So, so that happened that's already been taken care of. The cat was like, listen, they ain't got shit to do with me. You don't have I'm to worry about I'm fed up with him <laughs> and his grooming techniques. All right, I am out of here. The cat is like, I am staying in London, hopefully going to a wonderful <laughs> home. Listen, we've got another great show for you this morning. You'll get to see Saeed sit down with Richard Dormer from Game of Thrones. He's a delight. Talking about some flame swords, baby. <laughs> but up next, it's Fire Tweets. Welcome back. Let's get into these fire tweets. Meow. <laughs> Zito, you tweeted, I've seen the Lion King trailer. Shit is pure Mufasa propaganda. <laughs> they had Scar looking dry and malnutrition. Like that man wasn't a bad bitch in the animated movie. Scar, the animated Scar was a bad bitch. It's was true. very much a bad bitch. That's true. That said, I've seen a lot of people talking about the no, fact- I heard, I've heard some theories that, that Scar in the animated movie was like intentionally coded to look darker, mm-hmm. to, you know, more evil. Mm-hmm. Like there's was such a long history. Y'all know that. And that. in all the Disney films. Uh-huh. So I saw a lot of people maybe excited that he actually just looks like another one of the lines. They didn't do, go too over ah! the top. That said, 
I could have I see he looks in CGI. Happy. I could have used more scar. My issue you know, with scar. He been a little buffer. <laughs> you know, like he's CGI. He come back. He's like, mm, and, mm, My you issue know? is he looks ashy. He looks parched. Yeah, right. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I guess I'd be pissed too. <laughs> I just wanted. I wanted like a buffer. A little buffer. Scar. A buffer you scar. Some CGI. Stuff. I'm Maybe really we'll excited. For, I won't lie. I'm really excited for Lion King. Uh, I know it's not what I wanted it to be which was just video of actual lions with like Beyonce and Donald Glover like screaming their lines into a microphone. I understand that's not the film I'm going to get, but the CGI one looks delightful. I got to tell you, I know I'm going to watch it. I'm also dreading it. I cried so much watching the original. For me, it's the first movie I remember crying and everyone was crying. I remember my mom sitting next to me crying. Like it's, it's like pretty heartbreaking. Like if you remember recently, there was that video of the dog with his owner watching mm-hmm. The Lion King mm-hmm. and the dog was like whimpering and freaking mm-hmm. out. And I was getting emotional mm-hmm. watching it. It's like, it's just, I don't know. When you saw those wildebeests, you just got to look. <gasps> yeah. It's mm. like Dumbo. I'm not going to watch this Dumbo. I can't do it. I, don't know, I feel like Lion King looks bad. All right. Anyways, all right, anyways. all right, all right. This next tweet, <laughs> I love it. Uh, this next tweet comes from, I don't know who tweeted it, but I love you. <laughs> Okay, you tweeted, I'm watching Ayanla fix my life because I love mess. This man tells her he hasn't cried in years, and she told him, I'm going to make you cry today, and smiled. I love this tweet so much, one, because it's very funny, but also because this morning I got to show Isaac... I've never seen this before. I got to show Isaac the video clip where Ayana forces Hazel E to like like explain her music to the ancestors. You know when she's pointing to the pictures like Harriet Tubman. And my favorite, one of the iconic lines is where she's like, "There's a boss bitch line in one of Hazel's songs," and she's like, "You trying to tell Sojourner Truth? You're a boss bitch." I'm just telling you, I get this when I watch things. It's like uncomfortable comedies yeah. or anything. I get real empathetic. You I feel like really bad for the person. Away. It is just like it is. If you haven't watched this, just go Google it. Oh yeah, it was the, I tweeted it this morning. It was the wildest clip. It's and so good. I mean, but you know what? Hazel needed to hear it. Don't fix my life. Leave my life. Leave my life broken. Don't fix my life at all. Leave my life broken. Shen the bird. You tweeted, not guilty. Me, I'm sorry. Forgetting the phrase, your honor. Not guilty, Hammer Daddy. Oh my goodness. It's so beautiful. It's Lori Lachlan on the stand. Yo, you know she's going to get up there. I don't think she's saying that anymore. <laughs> I feel like she's starting to realize that she has made some mistakes. Maybe. I Maybe. I think so. You know, the thing about dumb people is they oh. continue to. I, I've seen tweets just this morning. People yeah. are like, she's just now she's starting to understand shook. the gravity of the situation. What I mean, again, what uh, like underscores all of it was so crazy is that she's supposed to be the adult in this situation. Mm. You know, like Olivia Jane's mm. like, bitch, what are you? <laughs> like, you're supposed to be making the, what? Judge Hammer Daddy. That didn't really happen. That's Get out of here. All right, this next tweet comes from Matt. Sorry, babe, the shirt stays French tuck during sex. <laughs> you got a French tuck going on? I don't do a French tuck. We, I, well, I just it's want not it. my aesthetic. I'm sorry, Tan. Absolute transparency. Mm-hmm. Today's fire tweets were picked out by Rebecca Bizdale. She's a wonderful <laughs> producer that works here on AIM to DM. And let me tell you, her humor and my humor really line they up do. perfectly. I just, this is the kind of thing, if Twitter was just tweets like this, I'd never That's complain true. about the site ever in my life. That's true. Sorry, babe. And we the haven't even gotten the tweet of the day, which is like a perfect Isaac tweet. Let's do it. Tweet of the day. <laughs> tweet of the day comes from Fred Delicious. Uncles are just haunted dads. <laughs> I don't even know what it means. I just love it. I don't. Uncles I don't are just haunted dads. 
Prove me wrong. Isaac, Prove Fred Delicious wrong. Isaac's been trying to work in this tweet for like three days now. And I've been like, no, it doesn't. Tweet make- of the day, baby. Uncles are No just- one gets it. If you get it. Do you love it, though? I love that you love it. There it is. <laughs> All right. Well, up next, we're going live from the district. I can hear the control room. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's because it's a funny goddamn tweet. Hunted- Uncles are just haunted dads. Welcome back. We're going live from the district with BuzzFeed News White House correspondent Tarini Party. Good morning, Tarini. Good morning, guys. Hi. All right, here's a tweet from The Guardian's Stephanie Kirk Gassner. The Trump administration is likely divided on the handling of Assange. The CIA will want one thing, along with career prosecutors and probably the State Department, but what will Attorney General William Barr do when he knows that his president has vocally defended uh, Julian Assange? Uh, Good point. Good tweet there. Uh, Tarini, we just checked. Trump has not tweeted about Assange yet. Could happen at any moment. Um, But what should we expect from this administration? Right. So yet is the the key word there. We're still waiting to hear from the president and the White House on this. But as you said, we know that the president has been supportive of Assange in the past. Uh, We know that his allies have also been supportive of Assange. We had Sean Hannity, a Fox News host and obviously a big Trump supporter who had Assange uh, on Fox News in 2017 for a sit down interview. The president then tweeted uh, quotes from this interview, um, especially the quotes uh, which he sided with Assange on when it came to media criticism and criticizing the Russia investigation. So they've been very much on the same page. But also one thing to note here is that, you know, if there are parts of the Trump administration that are not fully aligned on one issue, in this case, the Assange issue, it wouldn't be the first time that the president and certain parts of the administration have been on a different track than than, than the other part of the administration. That is a very good point, Tarini. Uh, well, here's a tweet from NPR. Attorney General William Barr said he will look into what he called spying on the 2016 Trump campaign, but said he had no specific evidence of any wrongdoing. So, Tarini, why is Barr going to investigate spying claims even though he has no, and this is a direct quote, specific evidence. Right. So uh, Attorney General Barr said yesterday that he wanted to, quote, explore the genesis and conduct of uh, this investigation. As you said, he did not provide any specific evidence, uh, but he kind of presented it as more of a civil liberties issue uh, that the U.S. government was spying on a political campaign. So, um, you know, he he tried to present it in a a civil liberties manner, but obviously, given that he um, has become this sort of very divisive political figure in the midst of um, the, the aftermath of the Mueller investigation, it has not gone over as well. Right. That's what that's what I was just thinking about. I'm like, wow, you were saying this, William Barr, right as you are apparently, you know, <laughs> having your marker out and redacting sections of the Mueller report. And so to this point, is this story going to impact the perception of whatever version of the Mueller report he releases? I think what we're seeing now is both sides trying to craft their own narrative around it in the days uh, before this report comes out. We saw uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi yesterday after uh, Barr's testimony on the Hill uh, say that that she trusted Mueller, not Barr. And she said she was, quote, very concerned by by Barr's handling of uh, the Mueller report so far. 
Um, she said, you know, Mueller was the attorney general of the United States and not the attorney general of Donald Trump, um, kind, you know, kind of saying that he had been acting in a more political way than would be expected of an uh, attorney general. To that point, and I'm just, I know we don't know what is in anybody's hearts, but just just a question here, Tarini. <laughs> is there a chance, just a chance, wild, wild thought, that Barr was saying this on television <laughs> to appease Trump? So obviously, I don't know what his exact intentions were on this, but uh, Trump was probably thrilled seeing this clip of Barr saying that because just before Barr testified on the Hill yesterday, the president once again told reporters uh, that he thought the Russia investigation was, quote, an illegal investigation. He again criticized, um, you know, everyone involved with it, basically calling it a hoax, saying there were dirty cops involved, things like that. So, you know, Barr saying, uh, making that spying claim was basically uh, pushing forward this narrative that the president is pushing that the investigators need to be investigated. And how has Congress responded to all of this? So, so I mentioned what Nancy Pelosi said earlier, but, you know, she is not the only one. Um, there are a lot of Democrats who uh, were, you know, pretty um, taken aback by what uh, Barr said yesterday and have expressed a lot of concerns about it. Um, you know, Republicans obviously not so much. So this has again become um, a partisan issue as as many things uh, become here in D.C. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what's not partisan: the fact that we stand you, Tarini. I have a tweet here from Brianna. <laughs> she just tweeted: Tarini with the hair pulled back and this denim-looking shirt. Is she part of the yeehaw <laughs> agenda? Because you know I already stand. This would only intensify the standing. We agree. We agree. You better serve Old Town Country. You guys Road. make my morning. Tarini, Tarini, do you have any thoughts on Old Town Road? Have you played it once, twice, a million times? <laughs> a million times. A million times. I love it. She is a car heel. All right. Well, Tarini, as always, thank you for joining us this morning. Thanks, guys. Look at you pulling out that deep knowledge. I mean, no, she I was wearing it. that chambray yeah, shirt. She was wearing Absolutely. We stand. All right. <laughs> What is chambray too fancy? Yeah, that's too oh my <laughs> god. Okay, up next you get to see my interview with the lovely Richard Dormer, aka Barrett Dondarian, he of the Flaming Sword from Game of Thrones. He's just an absolute delight. Stay tuned. <laughs> This is We Know Nothing, a series we created to talk about all of the things we don't know yet about Game of Thrones, which is a lot of things. Uh, today, we're going straight to the source with actor Richard Dormer, who, of course, plays Beric Dondarrion. Hi. Hey, how you doing? So good to see you. So good to see you. Um, I'm sad the Flaming Sword isn't here. Yeah. Um, is it? What's it like to to work with that thing? Is it scary? It's amazing. Yeah. I miss it. That's the one thing I really miss about uh, Thrones is just going to work and they go, okay, light up the sword. <laughs> I imagine it'd be kind of hard to steal a flaming sword from the set. Uh, yeah, 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 I tried, but no, it, was, it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> um, well, the last time we saw Beric, uh, he was at the wall when everything went crazy and yeah. it fell down. Um, were you surprised that he made it out alive? No. No? No. Oh, my gosh. Well, I just thought, I mean, if they're going to get rid of two characters like uh, uh, Tormund and Beric, mm -hmm. we're going to see it on screen. So, okay. Um, 
there was no way that, yeah. that they were going to kill off those characters. Like an off-screen off yeah. death. Yeah, yeah, they would have to have an on-screen death. Yeah. So I think we, we kind of knew that we'd be coming back. Yeah. Like, thank goodness, because I would have been furious. Yeah. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> um, going into the last season, what were the questions that you most wanted answered for your character? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's weird because Beric doesn't ask questions. Mm. He just does, you know. Mm -hmm. He's told to do something, so... Um, I, I, I'm kind of the same. Okay. You know, I'm like, okay, you want me to turn up? Right, put the eye patch on. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the Lord of Light has a, has a plan for Beric, mm -hmm. um, as do David and Dan, the show creators. So I'm just like, okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it almost makes him more mysterious because he, he does have this directness and you're like, what's his yeah. agenda? What's going on? Yeah, he's he, on the wrong side, he'd be pretty dangerous. Yeah. Uh, He's he is is driven. He has a purpose. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and he's a, um, not a religious fanatic or anything, but he is definitely he, he believes that he's that the Lord's keeping him alive for a reason. Right, and, and, and to that point, uh, Thoros, the person who would usually bring him back to life, has yeah. been killed. So it, 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 he's kind of in a different space of. I guess the stakes are different for him now, right? Yep. Yeah, but yeah. nothing's changed. I mean, mm -hmm. to him. Um, I think Beric uh, would welcome death mm. uh, if if it was a good death. Mm. Uh, like knows. an honorable death? Well, yeah, that, uh, as long as he, he gives his life for a, for a good cause, uh -huh. protecting, you know, like he says, you know, protecting the weak and those who can't defend themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, if if Beric could bring back anyone on the show, because there have been so many people dying yeah. on this damn show, <laughs> and there have been, like, Shireen, like, broke my heart. It was yeah. just, like, really sad to see her die. If Beric could bring back anyone, who do you think uh, he would bring back? Well, Thoros, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he could have more lives. <laughs> He's like, listen, I'm just trying to yeah. stick around here, guy. <laughs> I'm like, no way, I think he would definitely bring back uh, uh, Ned Stark. Mm. Because he he really respected Ned, mm -hmm. and he's still following Ned's orders. Right, that's all true. these years later, he's still looking for the the mountain. Mm -hmm. Well, then of course he gets sidelined by the the um, the, the enemy uh -huh. in the north. Yeah, the yeah. enemy of the north. Um, was there a death on the show that, like, as a viewer when you're watching it, had a big impact on you? Um, the the most was Ned Stark. Mm -hmm. Still, yeah. Um, what was it about it that was so? It was a game changer for 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 television in general mm -hmm. because they 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 went you know here's a here's a character you're gonna love and get to know, mm -hmm. and that the very last episode we're gonna cut his head off. Mm -hmm. you're, well, that that yeah. can't be right. It's, and and it was it just changed everything. Mm. Um, and it set up the idea in the show that nobody is safe. Right. Even the lead character is not right. safe. So. Everybody you're watching on screen could mm -hmm. just go at any minute, and I think that's that's another thing that uh, um, really changed. Uh, it was a game changer. Yeah, that's a good point. That you know now we're we're so far into the story, um, and TV, of course, has responded to Game of Thrones so much that yeah. sometimes you forget. Like, yeah, that was revolutionary actually yeah. in the first season. Yeah, yeah, and it was a while ago as well, wasn't it? Right. When was that? When did it first well, go? Is it almost? I'm trying to think. It would be like eight, like nine years. Eight, nine years. That's yeah. a long time for yeah. TV. A lot has changed. Yeah. Um, Beric is definitely a member of a brotherhood. Like you said, he's strong allegiance and 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 um, response to the people who are important to him in his life. Yeah. Um, was it like that with the actors on the set as well, the cast? Oh, totally. Yeah. There was a band of brothers, mm -hmm. um, and especially when we did uh, season seven in the frozen lake. Mm -hmm. Um, the oh god, that frozen lake! Oh well, we were in between takes uh -huh. and the, that craziness and mayhem and violence and uh -huh. uh -huh. 
we uh, were ukuleles and guitars and we were <laughs> sitting on that little island um, playing to all the zombies or stunt guys uh-huh. and all, you know and they're all at half a head and one arm missing and we're <laughs> so funny like we, they were your audience uh, yeah we, we used to uh, just keep them entertained in between takes because it was incredible. it was a gruesome shoot yeah pretty, where were you shooting that like like we, uh, we we shot it on a place called Black Mountain um, which um, is in Belfast okay sounds um, cold it was freezing. <laughs> and what they did was they poured all this concrete into this quarry. Okay. Like, like I don't know how many tons of concrete um, to, to, to create the idea of a, to make it look like a lake. And then uh-huh. they covered it in wax. Oh, wow. Wow. And they, they painted it, hand painted. So the thing's the size of a football pitch. Oh, so it really is as big as it looks. It's it not like all months, special effects. months to make that. And, <gasps> um, and, and it actually doesn't exist. It, it basically was just a giant quarry. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, that is so cool. They half filled it to make it look like it was water, obviously, because mm-hmm. all those guys had to walk across it. Um, but it was astounding. And I, I'm from Belfast. Oh, okay. And I, I knew the place before they turned it into that. Okay, and you were like... And I went, wow, that, yeah. that is incredible. I mean, <sighs> the, the production team on Thrones are just... You know, second to none. Um, now, I know you can't give any spoilers, and that's like a useless question, but I did want to ask, were you surprised by how the show ends when you found out? Um, no. Hmm. No, I think it only... Well, I don't know. I mean, there's this talk about, you know, it, it, uh, the, the ending could have did divide people, whether mm-hmm. they like it or love it or... I don't know. But uh, to me, it, it makes perfect sense. It does? Yeah, without giving anything away. Okay. That's so we'll, my view. We're going to have to go roll. We'll have, come back to this interview. And yeah. like, oh, we knew all along. He explained it. He explained yeah. it. Okay. Well, so, of course, you, your character, Beric, does not get to choose who ends up on the Iron Throne. Um, so we thought it would be fun to give you, Richard, um, an opportunity to have a little bit of power this morning. Okay. Um, so we have been doing something with your castmates uh-huh. where we are basically making you campaign manager. Uh-huh. Um, and I've got some names in this bowl, and you're going to pick a name yes. um, of a celebrity who's not on the show. Okay. Um, and you're going to get to give a 30-second pitch for why they would be a great <laughs> ruler of Westeros. Oh, boy. <laughs> Are you ready for this? Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. stretch out. I gotta stretch wake up. Out. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So here you go. Okay. Oh, right. All right. Uh, what, what, so I got a pitch for why they should rule? They'd be a great ruler of Westeros. Oh, boy. <laughs> Beyonce. Oh, okay. Well, Beyonce. Look, oh, you're ready. You're ready here. I'll give got, you a sign. And we even have music for this. So oh, wow. when you hear the music, when it ends, you can <laughs> go on for your 30 seconds. You ready, guys? Beyonce would be a great ruler in Westeros. She's sexy. She's got the moves. Um, she's got beautiful hair. She's got lovely legs. Um, and everybody would just be looking at her and thinking, and she sounds amazing, and they'd be looking at her going, she could be going like, uh, yeah, let's go and uh, kill all those guys down in the, the south or, you know, there. And everybody would be thinking, oh my God, she's so beautiful, we're not even going to question her. <laughs> and we're just going to do whatever she wants. Yeah. And she'd be like, hey, Night King, mm, do, do, do. <laughs> and, and they'd be... <laughs> That was brilliant. I just I think Beyonce I, will just go do do do. We're like we're going I, to war. Yeah, <laughs> I sold myself. I, brilliant. I, I, I love Beyonce. Should be in the show. Who could argue? Oh, who could argue? Wow, that was so funny. She'll go do do do. <laughs> Next thing you know, we're on the frozen lake. I love it. Well, Richard, thank you so much for playing along and coming through. Friends, of course, Game of Thrones premieres on Sunday, April fourteenth on HBO. I can't wait to be miserable. I just think everyone's gonna die. I think everyone's gonna die. Yeah. Is he gonna die? Probably. Uh, stay tuned for more AMT. 
DM. <laughs> Queens, I'm here with Golden Globe nominee Piper Perabo. You know her from Coyote Ugly, Covert Affairs, and now her new Netflix series, Turn Up Charlie. Hey, girl. Hi. How are you morning. doing? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Um, so I'm so excited about this new show because you are working with Idris Elba. Uh, he plays a DJ kind of down on his luck and enters your life, you as a mom and your daughter. Let's take a quick look. Charlie was playing a wedding last night. It was Killing. Yeah, it wasn't my normal gig. It was just a favor for a mate, you know. I mean, music is music, right? Festivals, weddings, we all do the same thing. Mom's doing that thing that all successful women do, discrediting everything that she's achieved to make you feel less bad about yourself. <gasps> Gabs, that's not what I'm doing. <laughs> Gabs is like, listen, I, I just finished reading Bad Feminist by Roxane Gay for the third time, and I'm not going to stand for it. I'm 11, and I'm about to speak. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, really cool girl. Um, listen, something I did know, Idris created this show. That's right. So did did you just get like a phone call from Idris Elba one day? I mean, I heard that he was going to do a new TV show, okay. so I was trying to figure out what was going on. Okay. And then, you know, he DJs in real life. Right. So when I yeah. heard it was about this sort of passion of his, I really wanted to do it, because I think it's cool when you can sort of mix the worlds mm -hmm. that you're passionate about. Absolutely. Did you talk about music and DJing a lot throughout the show? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I went early, because I don't know how to DJ. Right. So <laughs> I called him and I was like, I'm going to need some help, bro. Oh. And he let me work in his okay. studio and I would go and spin and he found me like a female DJ to teach me how to spin. Okay. And it was so cool. I love it. What's something that I've never DJed before? What's something about being a DJ we might not know? I feel like what's important about a DJ, first of all, you have to have this wealth of musical knowledge and you have to be able to feel the crowd and know where it wants to go. But one thing that I didn't realize, like the great DJs, the huge international big DJs. Like Diplo. Yeah. Musicians send them music. So they decide kind of what becomes the song of the summer because they have all these relationships. Oh. So before it's ever on the radio, before it's ever released, mm -hmm. you'll hear it at a Diplo show. Oh, okay. So like they're sort of setting the tone for the summer by what they choose. Oh, that's very it's, powerful. It is really powerful, but I didn't realize that's where those things were dropping. I love it. Yeah. Can you can you DJ now? Like, I can DJ have now. You done it, like at a party? I, <laughs> you have? Not at a party, but okay. I did it like in the show. Okay. But I don't have the wealth of knowledge okay. of music that I mean. It, you have to be a can great I have for a it. Music library. You have head. to have a music library in your head. I love it. Um, so, in the uh, in the show, you party in Ibiza a lot, which I'm very <laughs> jealous. Have uh, you ever been there? No. I, I just here. I'll be honest with you, Piper. Okay. I wouldn't survive. It's a difficult. I would be it's making difficult. choices. Oh, I see. <laughs> Maybe it's it, not for it'd you. It'd be a really good twenty-four hours, and, you and know, then you have to go. And burn. <laughs> did you did you get to actually party and have fun besides you know on camera? I mean, I. I went to all the places uh -huh. where the parties are happening. Okay. I mean, when I was doing the show, I would go and see a lot of the big DJ spin and a lot of my friends with Idris. So I could just sit on the side of the stage and sort of observe what that behavior is like. And I wanted to be in those spaces, but you can't get... I don't know if you can swear on this show. Yes, you can. Okay, you can't get fucked up because then you're not going to remember what you're trying. So it was uh, sort of weird to be in those places uh -huh. where everybody is messed up uh -huh. and you're not. You're just like, oh, man. So it was a sort of strange perspective, but it was helpful for the work. Totally, totally. Well, of course, you play a mom on the show. Um, you're a stepmom in real life. I am. And, and I read recently you said that you, you feel like you hit the jackpot in becoming a stepmother. Uh, what has being a stepmom taught you about yourself? I mean, mm, 
I think one of the things that taught me, and it's especially relevant right now, is that the sort of how smart young people really are, mm. and they want to be spoken to with respect, mm -hmm. you know, and they may not have experientially all the knowledge that you have, mm. but they have ideas that are just as big and powerful. Mm. And there's like a certain way that they really appreciate that level of respect. I mean, we all appreciate a level right. of respect, right. but I think as young people are trying to prove themselves, yeah. mm -hmm. they really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're Especially powerful. when they're doing really important work. I know. Yeah, and, and I love, you know, we were talking about this during the break, but you don't shy away from talking about politics and, and, and social issues on Instagram and Twitter, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, is a choice because it's real out here. No, <laughs> but you know, people, I mean, actors didn't used to do right. that. I it mean, a, a couple, no -no. a couple did, right. you know what I mean? Like Jane Fonda and Daryl right. Hannah, and there right. were people who were outspoken. Mm -hmm. Leo has always been outspoken about the environment. But, but I think um, now in this time mm -hmm. with this administration, mm -hmm. I can't be silent. Mm. You know what I mean? I had to decide, you know, am I willing to get, how far are you willing to go to okay. stand up? How uncomfortable can you get outside mm. of your privilege mm. to use the platforms and the power that you have to make the change that you believe in and stand up and speak out? Mm. It's real. I totally agree. I also saw, and, and, I, and I think this relates to Vote Run Lead as a project yeah. you're working on. Yeah, I work with this nonpartisan organization that trains women to run for office okay. all across the country. I love that. There's a national training that's happening May 18th. Okay. Uh, mark your calendars. <laughs> and one of the things that I really like about Vote Run Lead, first of all, I like that it's nonpartisan. It's mm. just training you to mm. run for your local race okay. because you are perfect for where you are. You know what I mean? You understand the issues of your community. Mm -hmm. And one thing that they say at Vote Run Lead is you should run as you are. Mm. I think a lot of women are waiting. They see like you have to be an astronaut or a fighter pilot mm. or go to some fancy school. Mm -hmm. But really, you are an expert in the place where you're yes, from. Absolutely. And so you can run as you are. And I think with just some confidence and training, a lot more women could be elected to office. And mm -hmm. I think that would be a good thing. I love that. That is Thanks. so important. Um, I also wanted to ask about Coyote Ugly because one, <laughs> iconic. We fucking stand. Thanks. We fucking stand. Um, but also, Tyra Banks was here recently. Oh, she was? She was. She was here just the other day on uh, BuzzFeed Show Profile. Okay. Uh, and she said that she wants a Coyote Ugly sequel. I know. She is pushing this. <laughs> she is and like, I haven't Jerry Brockheimer. Like, literally, people keep asking me, they're like, have you talked to Tyra? And I'm like, um, I can guess what she's saying. <laughs> I know what she's doing out there. Uh, Incredible. Would you would you want to do one? Well, I mean, I'm not the same right. age Fair. that I was Fair. when I Some did things it. Something have to change. 19 right. years. 19 years to Right. Now. We would have to really think about what has happened right. since, and also kind of how women have changed. Totally. You know, and that Hollywood. Exactly. That film came out in 2000, and there was a real like stiletto feminism happening mm -hmm. yes. then, yes. which, no disrespect to that moment, mm -hmm. but we have continued to evolve since mm. then. And so I think the idea of that bar and that place needs to also evolve. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you, like, if Tyra wants to do something, believe she's going to get it done. Like, True. she is that kind of person. Yeah. She just goes until it's <laughs> off the finish line. So I'm sort of like, oh, when are we getting the script? Because if Tyra's behind it, I'm like checking my mailbox. I love it. Well, there you have it. There you have it. I, I, I like that. I would love to see actually a feminist, you know, like a new imagining of Kylie. I think you know? it's ready for a new imagining. And I think like, 
I think we can broaden what's well, going on in that place. I'm here for it because there's some stuff to talk about. Yeah, I there's love a it. lot of dancing to learn. <laughs> Well, Piper, you are a delight. Thank you so much uh, for coming. Thanks for having me. I really morning. appreciate Thank it. Thank you. It was a delight. Uh, friends, you can watch Turn Up Charlie on Netflix now and stream it. And don't forget to follow Piper on Twitter. She'd be known. She's here for the politics children, okay? <laughs> Up next, we are announcing the winner of the Young Lion Fiction Awards live here on am to dm I love sharing good news with people. <laughs> so good. Welcome back. This week is National Library Week, and here to help me celebrate, I'm joined by Kendall Story, who is a member of the Young Lions Committee at the New York Public Library and fellow member of the Fiction Award Readers Committee, which I myself am also on, which helps decide the finalists for the Young Lions Fiction Award, which we are going to announce in just a moment. We're really excited. Good morning, how are you? I'm good, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. I, of course, love the Young Lions Award, but for those that don't know, can you just tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, of course. So the Young Lions Award is a New York Public Library Award for a writer under 35, um, a work of fiction, so either a short story collection or a novel. It was founded in 2001 um, by Ethan Hawke, among oh. others. Ooh, yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know that. For me, what, what's so exciting about it is one, there's a, there's a money prize to it, right? It's $10,000. It's kind of to help a young writer as they, as they come into the beginning of their career. Um, and the other thing that I really love about it is that there's a focus on people making inventions in fiction, right? So this is really about people that are, that are you know, early on in their career, but they're also really experimental or they're having fun with it. I'm very excited about this. And again, this is just the finalists, all right? Because the winner will be announced in June, but this is the finalists. Would you give us this year's nominees? I would be honored. All right, let's do it. <laughs> Friday Black by Nana Kwame Ajay Brenya. Woo! <laughs> all right, and the second one? Yeah. The Third Hotel by Laura Vandenberg. Woo, keep it going. Sabrina by Nick Dernasso. Excellent. Severance by Ling Ma. And Freshwater by Akweke Amezi. Clap it up, clap it up everybody. Give it up. I'm so excited about this. It's like I love these books so much. Can we just talk like a little bit about them? We got the announcement. Congratulations, of course, to all the finalists. We're very excited for you. This is so incredible. But let's just talk a little bit. Friday Black, I just love this book so much. It's a short story collection. It tackles issues of race, but also um, really like kind of late capitalism. There's a lot in there that takes place in a mall and shopping. What do you love about this? I just love, it's such a fresh voice mm. uh, for, for a debut collection. Mm. Um, and the fact that it sort of seamlessly weaves in these issues of identity with this amazing, compelling, dystopian uh, world is really, really remarkable. And there's a real physicality to it. It's, it's like a very violent book. The Third Hotel, I also love, it's, we're talking like a mystery, like one, Laura Vandenberg knows how to write. Like the sentences in this book are so beautiful, but it's also kind of a page turner. It is, and she's been compared to Borges and Calvino and Kafka. So <laughs> she's in pretty good company, I no, would say. No pressure, no pressure. <laughs> now this one I'm really excited about too, because Sabrina is a graphic novel, right? It's the first right? graphic novel that we've ever had on the shortlist, so we're very excited about that, yeah. Since 2001, and this kind of, again, a little bit of a mystery, kind of looking into a murder. Um, the illustrations in it are beautiful, but there is a lot of writing. Like, don't be mistaken, it's a graphic novel, but there's a lot of words. It's true, and um, and this was published by Drawn and Quarterly uh, just in 2018, and it's just seen so much success um, on the literary level for a graphic novel. It's just been incredible to see. And shout out Drawn and Quarterly, independent <laughs> publishing. That's what we like to see. 
Uh, again, I'm trying not to show any favoritism <laughs> here, but let me tell you, this book, Severance, tell me, man, tell me about. Yeah, this is a favorite of mine as well. Well, I guess we shouldn't probably say that. It's, they're all it's great. Fine. They're, they're all great. Yeah. Um, no, Ling Ma is just incredible. She came out of nowhere, for me at least, um, with this book. And uh, it's, again, dystopia has been kind of a, a, a theme um, recently, a very attractive one for all of us. Um, and uh, and this is at once kind of a New York story, a sort of coming-of-age story, but also um, a sort of set-in-the-near-future uh, apocalyptic story. A lot of, like, yeah, again, a little bit of a theme a little bit, because there's, you you know, we're tackling fake news and conspiracies kind of a little bit in Sabrina. There's also a little bit of the late capitalism in Friday Black. Uh, Severance also getting in there. All right, and now tell us about Freshwater. And again, just huge congratulations. Well, speaking of inventive books um, and experimental books, this is sort of, this is what this represents for us was, um, was a really innovative voice and someone who has their own universe in, in language that's immediately recognizable. So we were just so excited to see um, themes of identity being tackled in this experimental form. Absolutely. I just love it so much, too, because I this this is what this award means to me. This is the important part of this award. I know I've already said it, but for me, it is about pushing the envelope and broadening what fiction can be. And again, all of these books, I think, do it so well. Freshwater, though, just incredible. Congratulations to all of the nominees. Let's clap it up for them again. Come on. And I'm really excited. Kendall, thank you so much thank for joining you. me. You absolutely nailed it. We love the New York Public Library so much, of course. And the winner of the Young Lions 2019 Fiction Award will be announced on June 13th. I'm going to give a little bit of a spoiler here. I will be hosting the proceedings, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Come see me dress up for the first time in my life. In the meantime, pick up a copy of one or all of these incredible books. Pick up two copies to give one to a friend. Up next, we're reading more of your tweets. Up top, right. buddy. Welcome back. Welcome. You want what? What do you want here? What do you I, got? I've heard a lot of good things about Severance. These are all again. All five of them are just so wonderful. But if you haven't read that one yet, you got to get on it. Also, have you read Friday Black? I haven't. I can't throw, let me tell you. We're gonna beautiful cover. I can hear our producers being like, "Don't give away all the books. We want some of them too." But seriously, congrats again to all the Young Lion nom nominees. That's love the smell of a new book. That's one of those awards that like I've known about for so long. Like that was an aspiration. I'm 36 now, so it's never gonna happen. But it's really wonderful. Oh to be yeah, able. we're starting to pass all of the the like yeah, under it, 30, under 35. Here's the I thing. still got under 35. Yeah, you you, you still got it. You got that 535 National oh, Book goodness. Award. That's in the mix. I'm just saying, uh, not predicting anything. But for <laughs> Myself, I just—it really means a lot to me to be involved with the New York Public Library like that. Yeah. To be one of the judges, and now again, I just want to be very clear: there are now three incredible judges who will judge for the winner out of these five. So I'm out of it. You were so cute. That's it. Something—I don't know. I mean, I hope you guys know this, but one of the things I love about Isaac so much uh, is that he is a wonderful, what I call, literary citizen. Uh, in addition to the stuff you see him doing here on the show, and of course he was BuzzFeed's book, first books editor and everything, is that Isaac is always taking time uh, to judge. And I mean, listen, when you judge these contests, you're reading a you lot so of books. Book. It is a lot of books, you know, going to do events, conversations with authors, and it's just all for the love, and it's, it's just really great. So That's really it's sweet. a very nice Thank you. you do. And I you're, think it's so cute. I'm not going to do that thing where I try to one-up the compliment back. No, you're a great literary. Oh, okay. All right, all right. Okay, okay, sweet. Okay. We also <laughs> asked you what your career you would like to study via apprenticeship. Um, Shelly, you said you would take up midwifery. Oh. I don't have the temperament for nursing med school, but take but taking birth out of the medical industrial complex and being queer and gender inclusive? Yes, please. Amen. I mean, that sounds wonderful. I feel like that a lot of women, like, or not just women, but people becoming like doulas as mm -hmm. a result of, I mean, 
it's incredible, like the childbirth and all of the issues and why it's still so dangerous, particularly for black women. I love that you're thinking about this. I, I love absolutely it. love it. I, I also don't. love that we, you took kind of a jokey question and made it into a very serious Yeah, I'm like, I want to be a magician. And you're like, <laughs> I I'm like, I'm a save women's lives. <laughs> there, yeah. <laughs> Okay, A plus. Shout out to you. <laughs> we were also talking about the Lion King remake, and Lily tweeted, I feel apprehensive about the Lion King remake. I don't know. I think Aladdin made me not give a shit anymore. Mm. To which I say, Lily, did you see like the longer Aladdin preview? Because I was off Aladdin too for a second. That's and then that longer trailer kind of got me back in. He's jumping from roof to roof. Mm. I don't know. I, here's the thing. I haven't seen many of these Disney remakes, right. but I think the Lion King is getting me back in. Okay. Yeah. I'm... We'll see. All right. Uh, you tweeted this about, oh, Richard Dormer. What is it he a delight? When he goes do-do-do-do-do about Beyonce, I just, I keep thinking about I want a remix. Do-do-do-do-do. Anyway, you tweeted, oh, shit, as long as y'all don't kill everyone and leave Cersei alive, because uh, my life can't take that. Listen, uh, I have started re-watching the show starting, I started in halfway through season six. I figured that was like a manageable, and it is so good. It's a, it's a dumb thing to say, but I'm like, oh, this Game of Thrones show is, they're onto something. Everyone's going to die. Like, watching it and being reminded of the peril and the brutality of the world, I'm like, good luck. I, mm, I'm I, praying Ira Stark is, it makes it to the end. That, that, she's the one character that I, like, actually am very sentimental about. Well, don't, see, this is, this is what I'm going to say to you. This is what I'm going to say to Kirsten. Be careful what you put into the universe, my friends. Be careful what you speak out loud. Kirsten's out here saying this is the one thing I can't take. Once you say that, that might become the one thing that happens. For me, though, I think there are so many favorites here at the end. I think I don't think George R. R. Martin's just killing them all off at the end. But I think a lot of them are Some of the die. favorites are gonna make it. That's I'm gonna put my optimism. I'm already grieving Brienne. Putting like, my I'm optimism into the universe. All right. Before we go, we have an announcement. AM to DM is launching a newsletter. It'll include highlights from each week, some exclusive content, and teasers for the upcoming week. We're tweeting out the link, so sign up for it right now. We'll have some like behind the scenes stuff. We will? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I'm gonna make a video of you putting makeup on. It'll be great. Oh, I do. It is my favorite part of the morning. There it is. My concealer. Okay, and also, I gotta tell you, this has become one of my favorite parts of the week. Our vote for the weekly t-shirt poll. (laughs) So we have the lower thirds all week long, and every Thursday now, you're going to get to vote on one of three lower thirds that we've had over the course of the week, and then it'll become a t-shirt. And what is, what are this, go ahead, Saeed, what are this week's? And and what's funny is I didn't pick these, but you would have thought I did, Mm. okay? These three, this week's top three lower thirds are May the Black Hole Consume Us All. (laughs) Here's a tip. Don't be a dick. And we stand your shady children. We I <laughs> love it. I want to do a poem together. I just want to print out every single tweet about the shady kids and just put all of those on t-shirts oh, that's as true. well. That that uh, that timeline question got 367 replies. It was a lot. I got of, a lot of stories. A lot of y'all got a lot of shady ass it. kids. All right, we're going to reveal the winner of the t-shirt poll in the newsletter on Sunday. So again, be sure to sign up for that yep. and also buy a shirt. They yeah. are wonderful. We've They're you'll, cute. you'll be rocking them tomorrow. I, like I, I, I mean, could you imagine walking around with uh, here's a tip, don't be a dick? Yes, that's, 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 I want that to be my aura that I, I put say, out in the universe. But- All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to our guests, Zoe Tillman, Tarini Party, Kendall Story. What a wonderful, Richard Dormer and Piper Parabo. What a wonderful conversation you had it with Piper. Great. That was fantastic. <laughs> I'll be back here tomorrow at 10 a.m. with the wonderful Hayes Brown. Where are you going? Uh, I'm going to LA, LA Times oh. Book Festival. Oh, Speaking okay. of being a literary citizen, I didn't even know that matched up. I, I gotta go read some more. Bye.